it, in these trying times, it is nice to know that the people in Washington are looking out for those in greatest need. Mm-hmm. Yes, we all know the people that are suffering, the people in pain. For five bucks a month, you too can help a member of the a certain community. Sometimes they get headaches. Sometimes they get mm-hmm. tummy aches. But you can help. Yeah. Even though it's indistinguishable from a hangover. That's right. Yes. I know you know what we're all talking about. The deadliest disease of our modern times. It's Havana Syndrome. Affecting only the most worthy of us. Mm -hmm. The State Department. (laughs) (laughs) The intelligence community. The Plague is written by Aaron Sorkin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. They did it. They, we did it. They. We did it, Reddit. We, we brought awareness, and we passed a bill. And you know what? I think we're going to finally beat this thing. Oh, yeah. It, yeah even they, though the, the whole microwave gun thing is totally sounds like something from tom clancy on a really bad day yeah yeah look i'm just assuming that most of the funding is going to go towards aluminum foil hats to you know shield their fragile brains from the electromagnetic waves i mean they did a study on that once and it turns out that the uh waves are actually reflected inside the skull um so not only is tinfoil hat that's not only not protection that actually makes the mind control ray worse (laughs) oh really okay yeah no that explains a lot a lot of the a lot of the guys that i've known who've worn those did seem like cia agents that were being mind controlled so Mm -hmm. yeah honestly like you know, the data adds up with my intuition, so I'm just accepting, I'm accepting this uncritically. Um, yeah, so... It's nice to know that our elected officials are putting this front and center, giving it all their attention, and it's not like there aren't other things in the world <coughs> or at the halls of Congress that they should be worried about. This is definitely the most important real disease affecting America right now. That's right. And, you know, we talk a lot of stuff about how, like, Congress are clowns and the clowns in Congress and how it's a circus in Congress. But I think, you know, the ringleader really stepped up this time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because it's not like there weren't other things they could worry about, which of course we'll get into here at Chop Shop Economics. <laughs> we read this shit so you don't have to. <sighs> Today and welcoming a... back St. Helen. Oh. 
Ooh. Yeah, today's a very special episode. I've returned as one of the primary hosts and not a guest host, even though I probably, you know, I'm still going to be very irregular. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> and yeah, it's a very special episode and you guys will see why later because it's <laughs> not just Havana syndrome that, you know, governments around the world are very concerned about. Oh yeah. <sighs> we um Oh yeah, um I'm Miss Silver and um our other co-host is uh Doc Spider. Mhm. The good doctor fresh from like staring into the depths of whatever the fuck it is the fed just crapped up i just read the headlines honestly (laughs) (sighs) you know most of the math is kind of serves a similar function to the various like chants and phrases that start off like you know religious documents and all that they're just sort of there because they're supposed to be there it's not like they actually serve any other purpose (laughs) yeah it's just momentum really yeah it's like you don't know it's mass if they're not chanting uh, like the lord's prayer or something you know yeah, yeah I, that's why when they changed it from Peace Be With You to whatever they changed it to a couple of years ago, I just, I, I stopped going, you know, because it's like, it's not even mass anymore. <laughs> oh, by the way, we have a Patreon. Oh, yeah, at, donate to it. <laughs> yeah, at patreon.com slash chopshopeconomics. And $5 a month gets you our current crop of special episodes which we'll hopefully be adding more to and uh advance access to our weekly uh regulars yeah it's uh it's not a bad deal honestly a lot of a lot of patreons they don't even give you anything anymore they're just like hey you know if you want to help me out we give you that little extra something mm-hmm. that little mm. <laughs> yeah and speaking of something we got all the other shit that congress was not getting on look i think that you know sometimes crashing the world economy is an important priority but think of the spooks please Please think of the poor little CIA agents, little Timmy, little Johnny, little Mr. War Crimes, their mascot horse, and their bad tummy aches. That's right. And, you know, this time when we're talking about blowing up the economy, we're really seriously like this is blowing up the economy shit. Um, We have just the one-two punch combo of the debt ceiling needs to be raised and the budget for the next fiscal year both need to be approved in less than two weeks as of time of recording (laughs) or the united states will default on its debt and the government will shut down at the same time yeah 
Government shutdown during a pandemic. That's a real good recipe for economic growth. Um, what we're looking at here is really cool because um, everyone knows that, you know, there's been a lot more bipartisan cooperation regarding the budget since uh, the last shutdown a couple years ago. Uh, as we can all see, uh, the Republicans are really ready to work with the Democrats for any budget that destroys America <laughs> as a polity. That seems to be about their level of uh, readiness to compromise. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like they really are just saying, you know what, fuck it, we're going to shove this into the laps of the Democrats and use it to beat them up come election season and hope nobody notices that we were the ones that were like dancing around with jugs full of nitroglycerin. This yeah. is a really smart move because um, they're like, hey, what's the one thing that could possibly get Manchin to consider repealing the filibuster rule for like maybe a day? <laughs> what's the one thing? And, you know, they really went for it. They really went for it. They're political genius, McConnell is. Yeah. So to really like just to dial it in for a minute for the folks who may not be familiar with one or both of these, like the government shutdown, that's pretty straightforward. It'd be a repeat of the thing we saw happen in 2019 with Donald Trump, which definitely put a ding in the U.S. economy. Um, like, you know, one that you couldn't really buff out with a sweater or something. And... The That seems, you know, that's pretty straightforward, but when we're talking about the debt ceiling, we're talking about some really stupid arcane bullshit that is a hangover from the 19th century, like most of the American political system, really, when, mm -hmm. like, the executive branch was basically allowed a lot of leeway on deciding how it spent the money and the way Congress allocated appropriations was stuff like, we're giving you X number of million dollars for the War Department to, like, go shoot... Uh, indigenous Americans and we'll give you this much money for railroad graft and blah 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 and we'll just leave it up to you to figure it the fuck out and they would include this thing called a debt ceiling which was a limit on how much the government could borrow mostly so the executive didn't go yeah and I'm just gonna like spend some more money on this than has been allocated because why the fuck not I'm the executive I control the treasury and all that other shit yeah, so, you know, it seems like a very reasonable thing to do when the president has, like, full control over how spending works. Which is not the case and has not been the case for decades. Like, Congress writes the budgets down to the last fucking trillion dollar toothpick. Yeah, it's, it's, oh, what? Has it been since before World War II, I feel like? Yeah, like starting with the New Deal, probably, or a little bit it's, before it's, that. It's around then, so it's it's been a long time since this rule has like been, like relevant or, <laughs> well, not relevant. Sorry, it's super relevant right now, uh, useful in any possible way. Sorry, that's what I meant. <laughs> and in case you're wondering, you know, but possibly there might be some stupid Wall Street bullshit reason for the debt ceiling to exist. Yeah, no, there isn't. Literally the only other country on Earth that has a debt ceiling is Denmark, for much the same reasons as the United States. 
honestly, like, I am for Denmark's debt ceiling because it's mainly there to stop a king. And, you know, I'm, I just don't like kings. Uh, kings can suck it. Uh, that's actually... That's actually a, a chop shop guarantee. Oh, yeah. You know, we stand by that. Uh, but yeah, so it's so there's there's no real reason for the debt ceiling other than as like a political football at this point. And it doesn't really and it never really matters when the debt ceiling gets raised anyway, because everyone fucking does it. And it's and the U.S. Would, debt load is so small. It's literally so small. Like people talk a lot about like, oh, big, big number. The fucking GDP to debt ratio in, of America is like smaller than most other powers its size, except for China. But China's got a special thing going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. China does this thing called the interests of the state and society are more important than magic market numbers. Periodically. Yeah. yeah. They they they've got something called uh, self preservation instinct. Uh, I don't know. It's some weird bureaucratic thing that, you know, the mysterious Orient uh, has. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's what we're talking about, is if the debt ceiling's not lifted, then the U.S. would no longer be allowed to borrow money, and it is in a place where it does need to, like, regularly borrow money to pay for things like the interest on its outstanding debt. So, if the U.S. can't borrow more, then it would default on its debt which is a thing that has literally never happened since the american civil war and is actually like forbidden by the 14th amendment for the u.s to ever default on its debt so congress doing this could actually raise a lot of interesting questions and well, didn't they just say you know, didn't biden just say or the courts say oh, i missed i'm I'm losing I think it was it, but Biden. The 14th Amendment. Yeah, I think Biden said that the 14th Amendment, he wasn't going to enforce it. Like, <sighs> he wasn't going to enforce it in a way that actually matters, which is which is good, because I'm sure that, you know, the ancient fucking system 360, you know, in the fucking Treasury Department, I'm sure it can cope with, you know, the U.S. defaulting. Oh, wait. Yeah. I, like, I'm not sure there's ever been a situation where, oh, no, wait, there was, like, Spain back in, like, the 1700s, but mm -hmm. doubloons didn't really depend on the full faith and credit of the Spanish government the way that U.S. dollars do. Yeah. And, like, <clears throat> part of the problem is that, like, right now what we're in is extraordinary measures. Um, where the treasury is basically shifting around, you know, robbing from Peter to pay Paul, that sort of thing. They're, you know. Good thing they didn't expend a lot of their ability to do these kind of actions, <laughs> I don't know, uh, constantly for the past 18 months. I mean, like, that would be really fucked, wouldn't it? Oh, totally. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and what would just make this face plan even more fucked would be if there was something going on in credit markets in any way that might potentially turn that shitty little lagging indicator called the stock market into a leading one. I mean, oh, like, yeah. 
what what could possibly go wrong if you can't buy U.S. debt anymore, and your U.S. debt isn't getting paid, and there's a credit crunch? I mean, like, well, yeah, I I can't I can't imagine any kind of like liquidity crisis happening, or I don't know, just a general inability to pay bills by large firms. <laughs> oh, that's where it gets fun, because China has the Evergrande Group who are just like this huge like property development investment etc concern that unrelated unlike, to the evergreen and unlike a lot of other chinese companies has a lot of overseas investment like i think something like a majority of their funding comes from outside of china as opposed to inside so they're very like bound up in global finance especially because they're property developers they do fucking real estate that's the safest thing in the world as long as you don't pay attention to these years from 2007 to 2011 yeah yeah i mean like it's uh, they're not making new land as they say right i mean they are actually getting rid of land you know, mine oh, yeah, tailings like, like, and fun shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but for real, like, what what exactly is going wrong with Evergrande? Like, what? How did they fuck up? <sighs> well, apparently, what happens is they took on a lot of debt that they couldn't really sustain. And we're assuming that they were going to be able to keep the train going by, you know, sell off what they got, use that money, buy up stuff somewhere else, and, you know, basically do a lot of house flipping um, when you're not building shit. Yeah. Wait, are, are you saying... Wait, wait, wait. Like, like these guys so, pulled straight so up mafia shit of... They didn't just, like, flip their construction. They would sell people units that weren't even built yet. Oh, that's just classic New York developer. I mean, like, I'm pretty sure Trump got busted for that, like, ten different times. Like Something like that. I, I, I'm serious. Like, I know he got busted for it in New Jersey at least once. That was uh, his Atlantic City shenanigans. Um, but, no, that's so... Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> I so ch China's... We probably need to put some numbers on this. Um. So when we're talking about they're unable to service their debt, they've got $300 billion worth of outstanding paper. $300 billion. We're not talking like a couple ten millions. So <laughs> This is also not bullshit paper. This is the paper that forms underlying assets for lots of other paper. Mm-hmm. So Remember I'm Tever? Gonna look something up right now. Uh their <laughs> debt is roughly the GDP of uh Finland or Colombia. And mm -hmm. their debt is larger than the annual GDP of Pakistan. Dang. Uh, Shit. So <laughs> I am comparing income to uh to like in to a static amount, I guess. 
but that's yeah. still just so much. That that's that is roughly equivalent to a major country's national debt. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like this is this is bigger than this would be bigger than Lebanon's default, right? Much bigger. Oh, oh, easily. The this would <laughs> be a serious like problem especially because unlike lebanon's default where lebanon for a while has been kind of seen as a risky situation this is chinese real estate investment that shit's like that's, almost that's as blue, blue chip, chip as general electric <laughs> oh, don't get me started on general electric because that's a ooh, that's a but um, oh yeah yeah so they ripped apart this is, rca and i'll never forget so they them. just so so they just did a standard developer scam and fucked it up that's just yep. like that's but like so one of the biggest real estate companies in the world and just fucked up a standard mid-level scam <clears throat> do you think oh wait do, okay i'm i'm genuinely thinking about this right now do you think that the construction costs thing in the past half year might have anything to do with this a little Probably. bit but it's mostly that like they they attempted to diversify among other things they have like an electric car unit that hasn't shipped a single unit um <laughs> which okay, is that's funny because that's normal in america but in china they've got like th four different electric car companies that just make electric cars <laughs> oh no there's there's a lot more there's like a hundred hundred fifty of them oh my god yeah so it, it's it's just a thing that you can have in china is an electric car company so the fact that they have one and it's not even actually making anything is is abnormal <laughs> oh it's it's pretty typical for a business with this kind of market cap but the problem is is that it's not making money and it's on their fucking books mm-hmm it's yeah so this is kind of an interesting situation in the worst way possible because it really depends on how everything falls apart oh and this is the best part by the way the chinese government has already made it clear that if shit hits the fan with evergrande which it probably will at this point um the asia pacific markets are mostly consisting of a lot of people running for the exit and other markets are doing the same thing recently uh China has made it very clear that they will protect homeowners and Chinese investors up to a certain point and everybody else can go pound sand. Yeah. Yeah. So there's I mean, like, not going to be a bailout. <laughs> no bailout. Just let the firm die and let the assets go where they will. I don't know. That seems yeah. like that seems more free market than america's standard operating procedure of just having the state uh oh, subsidize no. like, it until it's uh until it's profitable like the thing is with ever <laughs> with evergrande is that like the government has also made it clear that like homeowners and such will be made whole and uh, people who own like those sorts of direct assets under the Evergrande umbrella, they'll be made whole. It's everyone else that is twisting in the wind. Like, if you're a Chinese investor, 
you might see something. If you're foreign, mm -hmm. no. Well, that, you know, that sounds about right for, like, you know, the Chinese bailout procedure as we've seen in the past couple of years. Like, mm -hmm. it, they don't seem to be really concerned with, uh, you know, making sure that Chinese companies are super safe for foreign investors anymore. Uh, it used to be that was the primary focus of China's economic policy, but now they have enough domestic capital and investment floating around that they can actually focus primarily on keeping the uh, internal consumer growth going. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is like the culmination of all the stuff you've been hearing 10 years ago about how China's transitioning to a domestic consumer economy is that they're like, oh, actually, you know, foreign investors, we're not going to compensate you for our firm going under, which is, uh, which is different than it was. This is a departure from Dang. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, they weren't too big to fail, is the thing. Like, a 300 billion market... A 300 billion debt service is like, that's a lot, but it's not that much. Like, I mean, it's not like a major bank. Yeah, you know? it's not going... No. It's not going to crater the Chinese economy by itself. You'd need a lot more contagion to go on. But yeah, those where it gets fun because it could absolutely, if not necessarily crater, at least take a large chunk out of the hide of Wall Street and other foreign investors who <laughs> right now are a bit strapped for viable commercial real estate investment opportunities and all that other jazz. So, you know, depending on how things play out, we could see the U.S. completely shitting itself as far as the government just totally falling on its face just in time for Evergrande to hit the bricks. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm looking at... Okay, if you look at the stock price for Evergrande right now, it is literally less than one-tenth as it was one year ago. Dang. The, that smart money's running for the door before dumb money realizes there's a fire. It's it it's absolutely just bottoming out. Like market cap is one tenth as it was a year ago. That's Oh my god, it's a penny stock now. Yeah. It wasn't <sighs> it wasn't a particularly high value stock either. It was it was like four bucks a year ago. That's what it peaked out at. Like four bucks. So like <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. um yeah so that's it's it's, yeah. it's not doing very good it's lost most of its it's it's lost most of its value on the on the stock market oh my literally God. so 90, yeah like 90 percent of its value that this is the shit that congress is backburnering for havana syndrome relief that, that's right oh look we might just be turbo fucking the global economy in the next two weeks but it doesn't matter 122nd on the fortune global 500 god damn well, let's switch to something more positive for a change <laughs> um, 
where for once we actually are talking about something good in this segment. Yeah, we've got good news. Yup. Your children are now 5G activatable. Yeah. Bill Gates can finally track your children. Yeah. Which is the purpose of this whole corona thing. Pfizer says the vaccine is safe and effective for 5 to 11 year olds. They got the testing in. FDA is saying, hey, this looks good. You know, it's... We've allocated a block of IMEIs for these children. <laughs> mm-hmm. The 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 adrenochrome will flow like wine. Yes. <laughs> In all seriousness, this is good. This will save things. literally thousands of children's lives. Like yeah, yeah. Just in America, just this year. That's oh, yeah. what it'll do. And like that's. I, I would say that I am, uh, I'm, I'm going to be controversial here, and I know that Chop Shop has taken a stance very similar to this before, but I'm going to say it again. I'm pro-vaccine. Yeah. I'm anti-mass death. So, um, you know, you can take that to the fucking, you can take that to Twitter, you know? I don't care. I don't care if I'm canceled. Yeah. I'm anti covid <sighs> and so that's why i think this is good news what about you guys <laughs> i mean it's means kids aren't gonna die so good and there's also the Sinopharm vaccine which has been shown in recent studies to be able to cover a similar age range so i think they got it down to three years old in oh, their wow. current testing that's great that's that that means it can be part of like the the preschool round of vaccines. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna believe Pfizer on this because somebody else is doing more or less the same thing. Yeah, no, I'm honestly uh, I haven't caught COVID and I'm vaxxed up and honestly I'm in a pretty risky spot. So I would say that it's working pretty good for me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm working waiting tables at a fucking tourist trap in san francisco and i have not had a whiff of covid since i got the shot so there it is folks like this was this was one of the things that was bothering me about the whole you know there's so many people who are unvaccinated because you know culture war bullshit and it's like no some of them some of them are kids because the vaccine isn't approved for you know people under 12 well now they fixed that and now you know in a few months maybe the plague pits that are our schools will finally calm down I hope yeah I mean we are starting to get through to like places where that are get approaching herd immunity like the i think the lowest eligible population which doesn't include kids and now that's possible um numbers for like say the bay area is something like 77 percent of people who could get the vaccine have it so yeah like there are pockets that are starting to approach levels of vaccination per capita that 
might actually be able to resemble something normal. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, um there's there's states like New Mexico that are over 60% fully vaccinated, you know? And that that's actually that's not bad, honestly, especially when you you're going to be able to pop in another 10% probably just from just from the kids being eligible cuz they're going to need it for school and that'll force a pretty high uh, compliance rate. Yeah. And, you know, the people in power could have reduced the death toll by doing things like paying people to stay fucking home and doing a longer lockdown in the first place and all the other shit that worked in other countries. But America is too exceptional for that shit. We got to kill 700,000 plus people and counting. Uh, if you look at the um, if you look at the excess death total, it's closer to a million. Oh yeah, but that because the, the uh, deaths are just COVID on death certificate. But if you look at the death rate and compare it to the previous year, uh, it's closer to uh, a million extra people when you take into account population growth trends and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's that's also including people who have died because hospitals being overflowed from covid cases meant that folks with like literal heart attacks and gunshot wounds had to get triaged yeah yeah exactly people with just regular pneumonia getting triaged and then dying you know yeah that kid like in that. florida who you know has the appendix burst and up well, nothing's got that do extra for half hour wait and too slow baby yeah so yeah let's get those faxes out um, I encourage the audience to get vaccinated. We got that was good news. Um, yep. Oh, we got more good die. news. Oh yeah, we've got we've got two good news in a row. That's so nice. I know it <laughs> doesn't happen enough. Where it's just fucking kicking off oh yeah yeah labor's doing we're it's pretty militant right now we've got like full-blown whole union strikes going yeah the... right now the uh the iatsi the uh you know the film and tv crew union they just uh they just said that they're ha they're holding a vote for a strike and honestly it looks like it's going to be a pro-strike vote. Yeah. People are pissed at the pandemic working conditions for for entertainment. Yeah. Justifiably so. And that's like, the whole union going on strike, too. It's not, it's not just, like, over in Paramount or whatever. It's the whole union. That's all of Hollywood. Everyone that ain't an actor or a writer. Yeah. There's not going to be any, you know, dodging of the strike where, like... You know, we get a bunch of mediocre reality shows that don't need writers. Yeah, um, yeah. What are you? What are you gonna do? A poach a Beth's boy from Bollywood? Like, can't do that. Borders closed, baby. <laughs> like, you couldn't even poach from like Georgia or something if you wanted to, because they're probably already lined up, like, fucking neck deep in work anyway, and they're like, dude why the fuck would I 
go all the way across the country to do the same shitty job that I can just do in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, so Hollywood is going to get shut down. Um, unless Including Disney. Yeah, including Disney. Down with the mouse. Um, but yeah, because they're just tired of these fucking... Pandemic made the regular working conditions worse. They're working like 12-hour shifts, 18-hour shifts. And, you know, there's stories of people passing out on their drives home because they couldn't get uh, hotels on location. You know, um, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. And so, oh, yeah. and that's on top of all of the COVID bullshit that they're like, oh, yeah, you know, this is a COVID safe workplace. And then like every month there's another outbreak of one or two people, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this and, is like, and this is going to be their first ever industry-wide strike. IATSE has never, in its entire history as a labor union, down tools across an entire industry that it's organized within. Mm-hmm. Ever. Yeah. It's it's really cool. It's really cool. This is a this is an <laughs> industrial union doing a full industry strike. It's it's um. It, it's some militant shit. It it really is. It's uh, it's nice. I hope they, I hope they have to, beat the shit out of like the ten available scabs in all of America. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't just where you can just pick up and you can't just like hire a temp cameraman. Like yeah, <laughs> hell no. You can't hire a temp stuntman for that matter. No. So oh. this is good shit to see it's gonna be a strike people are gonna see like new production is just gonna grind to a halt across networks and this isn't the only strike that's gonna be quite visible there's also the ongoing carpenters union strike in the pacific northwest yes pacific northwest not just seattle or portland or like boise or something but the entire region has the whole region downing tools it's it's really cool. We're seeing this this is another like what would like since the fucking busting of the air traffic controllers would be like five years ago have been like the biggest strike since the ATC. Like we got like two of them going right now. Like it's pretty and- neat. <laughs> It's worth pointing out that we are getting reports of some various fuckery by the labor skates and the Carpenters Union bureaucracy, where Mm. they have been calling out, like, shit that they're calling as, like, this is altercations approaching violence and all kinds of other similar bullshit to call off officially sanctioned pickets, although that still hasn't stopped people from being like, yeah, fuck it, we're still not showing up at the job site and Amazon can fucking pound sand for all we care with their construction project. Yeah. But this is, you know, this is not surprising for people that have followed the labor beat for a while, that there's going to be shitheads in the bureaucracy who are going to get in the way of effective strike action. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's really good stuff. Um, the tradies are tired of, like, uh, Capital did what, they do whenever anything happens and they tried to use it as a an excuse to increase labor discipline to crack down and people are not fucking having it you know 
Like, <laughs> they really aren't. People all over the country. Like, it's not even just these carpenters in the Pacific Northwest. Nabisco just ended their strike, um, which was a five-week strike. Um, it was kind of nuts. Like, you know, we're two of the hosts here are in Portland, and... Like, I drove past it one day, and it was just happened to be at a shift change, and I saw them fucking fighting scabs outside in the middle of the road, you know? Like, <laughs> it was pretty rad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, seriously, they were, like, banging on the, the trucks and stuff coming out, and, like fucking security was fighting them and stuff it was nuts i know you guys talked about it before but like seeing it was neat even though they uh the wider union did end up putting down the portlanders demands but yeah and there's also in oregon kaiser healthcare workers for kaiser permanente are currently balloting as to whether or not they're going to go on strike due to, again, COVID conditions generally being treated like shit by management and all the other usual things that make strikes happen. Yeah. yeah. It's... It, the engineers for Kaiser have already been on strike in uh, Santa Rosa down in California. They, they've got engineers uh, the same the stationary engineers local 39 uh went on strike already so kaiser's got a small strike happening already and then like if they get a big one the whole a whole hospital that's that's nuts oh yeah that's nuts the, this actually would be... i think it's a hospital system in yeah yeah it's 3300 employees Oh yeah, three hundred employees in just the Portland area. So like this would, this would be like another. We're not talking like the things that we were covering exhaustively throughout 2020 of where it was like this workplace is going on strike, this localized wildcat strikes happening, shit like that. This is like what's kind of interesting about all these things is these are escalating to multiple location strikes industry-wide strikes regional strikes like this is definitely like a serious step up yeah exactly when when the nabisco portlanders went on strike the strike spread very rapidly to all over the country and it same thing could happen to kaiser if they're not careful and if they don't you know negotiate a good contract for these nurses and and fact and uh what do they call them staff you know it's it's seriously bad conditions right now for nurses all over the country and if and if nurses can see them winning against kaiser which is a pretty prominent healthcare provider in the west it's a insurance company and uh healthcare provider so it's kind of got this you know vertical integration scheme going and it's very powerful so oh, yeah so the so seeing if they can get kaiser to bend then a lot of other hospitals 
we'll start seeing a little bit of backbone from from the nurses union oh yeah and there's also uber workers planning strikes on september 28th and october 6th so yeah mark your date don't cross the picket line shit is just kicking off everywhere everybody and this is you know there's definitely a lot of other pods and you know general like lefty media that likes waxing lyrical about general strikes this is the kind of thing that needs to be happening as a prelude to that yes typically every quote-unquote spontaneous general strike that actually went anywhere has started from these things yeah, they've they've started from these like regional or industry wide strikes. They they start from people seeing strikes succeed. Yes. And people seeing their power embodied in these unions. So yeah. Things are not, you know, at Great Depression levels as far as known labor strikes and concentration of labor action. Yeah, we're not quite to the point where, like, communists are organizing, like, a whole industry on the West Coast or something. But you can see it from here. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I'm talking about a specific actual thing that happened. That's the, or that's how the ILWU formed. Uh. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And speaking of things that could make this all more fun. Turns out Evergrande isn't just going to be hitting, you know, small scale Chinese investors and stuff. There's another major Chinese construction firm, Oceanwide Holdings, that looks like they're going to probably eat it if... Ocean, if Evergrande does. Yeah. And that is, again, care of. They're involved in a lot of the same markets. They're playing with a lot of overseas money. And a lot more of their investments are currently stalled out. Evergrande's problem is that they've got, you know, they got a lot of commercial paper floating around and they weren't able to restructure their debt properly, so they missed their debt service um, very recently. And it's looking like they'll be missing even more payments. Um, Oceanwide Holdings, which is the topic of this, they are worried that they may no longer be a going concern because they're suffering some of the same problems and they're not sure if they can if they can successfully restructure their debt um and they've got a lot of like dead paper on their books because basically they're pretty well invested in like the united states um in several projects in like los angeles san francisco uh, places like that where construction has been slow or, um, you know, halted entirely. Um, and they're just like, you know, rolling over debt that isn't like, that isn't being productive, 
basically. There's no development happening here. And, yeah. you know, that's that's deadly for a developer in this kind of situation. Because you can't show that, like, yeah, we'll have this open soon, and, you know, we'll be realizing our rent, we'll be realizing these sales, so on and so forth. It's, well, we've got a bunch of dead paper and maybe a few successful projects, and um, I realize this doesn't make it sound good. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's the kind of thing that Oceanwide is warning about. And it's not just them. Um, yeah, yeah. This seems like seems like a like like it's just kind of like a domino. Yeah, like like they, I, I love how like they're 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 like talking about how like oh Evergrande you know should Evergrande going under should be isolated. It's just one company going down, and then like they sneak in like a, a little report about how another company is going to go down if. Uh, if Evergrande falls out and you know who knows next week we might see oh if Oceanwide Holdings goes down their investor this bank you know is going to have a really hard time good thing that uh good thing that nothing could possibly hurt any kind of investment firms or banks that happened like just now right yeah it's not like HSBC didn't just last year pivot all their operations to east asia and china and ditch their european and american holdings or that <laughs> wells fargo hasn't suspended shit that's like basic fundamental to how banks do business shit because they can't keep it going or i don't know maybe institutional investors putting in over two trillion dollars into uh bitcoin and other cryptos oh, oh yeah, yeah. That just this is China doing the most based shit ever. Like I can just only imagine that when the proclamation came down to ban crypto, it was something like execute order sixty six, something like that. <laughs> yeah, but on capitalism. Yeah, yeah. No, like... it, it's so great that they're like, hey, yeah, you know how we're like, according to some measures, the world's largest economy. Yeah, we're banning cryptocurrency. Just yeah. all cryptocurrency transactions. And mining. And it's just the People's Bank of China, guys. They they, they said none of this bullshit. None of this. This is all shenanigans. There's no reason yeah. to have this. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they really have the muscle to, like, absolutely break your fucking back if you are doing business in China and you want to fuck around with crypto. Yeah, like, the past few months, like, the smart money has already exited their positions in China as far as, like, cryptocurrency. Like, I was looking on um, AliExpress for, you know, parts for my 3D printer, and half the time I would get results for, like, hey, do you want to buy this two-year-old ant miner that's only been running for like you know its entire fucking life would you like to buy that for fifteen hundred dollars i bet you would wouldn't you it was it's just insane right now like <sighs> i there's can't just wait a to flood see of like equipment. some footage of i cannot wait to see some footage of some like chinese mare like standing on like a steamroller while a 
drives over like a whole like mining operation that's put into some road <laughs> like <laughs> oh yeah like the malaysian um uh, like that malaysian uh, region that like crushed you know like uh, like several hundred ant miners yeah yeah where oh they're yeah just like hey because these people are basically electricity poachers like yeah. in a lot of ways they're just they're they're leeching off a, a especially since like they've had to drive most of their operations underground in china and they've had to illegally acquire electricity through some method of like fraud or pulling it from other places and stuff so it's pretty brutal uh how it's going to be pretty brutal how how bad crypto goes down in china and like this is a significant section of the world economy that just you can't crypto in and it, yeah. it's, it significantly reduces its not just current value but it's but it's potential as an investment opportunity ponzi scheme or uh <laughs> i mean like because that's what the idea is is that it just keeps growing more people get into it and you then sell your share for more yeah, money yeah i mean that's it's a ponzi scheme like and so yeah. it's you a know. decentralized ponzi scheme it's a ponzi scheme of the 21st century um <laughs> yeah i mean it's basically a transport for ponzi schemes and it's a ponzi oh, yeah. scheme itself these days the thing Which i find china really interesting like... the thing i find really interesting is kind of the timing of this because you know there is speculation okay so we've talked about tether before on the pod and how you know they're like a complete fucking mess internally like their whole claim to fame is that they are a stable coin um, which is backed one-to-one to the U.S. dollar. That is, there is one dollar held in escrow for every USDT token in existence. We later found out that it's closer to 3% of that. And most of those holdings turn out to be commercial paper, especially dodgy commercial paper. Now, anyone want to guess um, what they might be holding? And keep in mind, this is a big, big part of, you know, all of that crypto mining, uh, all of that market cap is, you know, shit it's, like Tether. It's got to be something stupid. It's oh, got to yeah. be something like, so something like just like, subprime mortgages or something absolutely stupid like that like yeah. something that you'd think that like they couldn't actually get please tell me please oil futures wait are you serious i Maybe. mean we don't know could be <laughs> oh we don't even know that's it's all it's all secret <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's the thing and it's like how the fuck is what? this even legal <laughs> It's not. That's why. Uh, that's why the SEC and you know New York State oh, Attorney General forced them to like release this document in the first place. And you know, I bring all this up because you might remember that there are a lot of funds holding like Evergrande's distressed commercial paper. 
Mm. I mentioned that for a reason. <laughs> oh, it comes together. Why are these all connected? This is like, this is just dominoes. Nominally, uh. there are like billions and billions and billions of these fucking US dollar tokens floating around. Only 3% of which can be cashed out at any one time, or the entire fucking uh. scheme collapses. But what happens if the underlying paper fails? <laughs> I, I think All we've nonsense. just vindicated like the long-held chop shop thesis that Bitcoin was going to play a part in this Great Depression. Oh yeah, I I love this in that um, we of course are vindicated. Uh, I hate this in that I just hate that Bitcoin is relevant to anything. Honestly, yes. <laughs> yeah. What but, happens I mean, to it just being like a a, a way to smuggle, like, a way to launder currency. Whatever happened, you know? I just wanted, <laughs> I just want to launder currency so I can buy five-year supplies of estrogen from the Ukraine. Is it so much to ask? Like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty soon we're gonna have to start using Western Union. <laughs> and we've also got fun stuff in the world of energy where we have the dueling declarations of uh, Xi Jinping announcing that China will no longer engage in any overseas uh, construction of coal plants which is going to just basically effectively murder that industry right in the face uh -huh. with joe biden saying that the ipcc report which says hey if we don't get down to like carbon neutral as soon as humanly possible we're fucked that that's not a good enough reason to halt issuing of new oil and natural gas lease permits I, I i love this like absolute just dumb assery coming out of the White House regarding climate. It's just a total, it's not even dumbassery. It's just, they, he, he lied. He just lied a lot during the campaign. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just how simple it is. He, he was known to be, Biden's always been like a fucking slick guy. Like, Senator from MBNA. And he's just not he, he's just doing that thing where he, 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 he fulfills his patronage network, and that includes the fossil fuel producers. But, yes. uh, but Xi is not, uh, and, you know, the Chinese state apparatus in general isn't quite as beholden to these uh, particular interests. And so we're seeing this, like, superiority of, like, this uh, state-managed capitalism to the neoliberal model again. And I don't think that, uh, I don't think that many countries are going to ignore what these, like, two sides 
of the coin show, you know? I, th I think that they, they're providing examples. The Biden is providing the example for this, like, American model of of you primarily focus on this, you know, uh, on fulfilling your promises to your patrons, this method of politics. And <laughs> with China, we're seeing a long-term stability type view, you know? Yeah. Like actually governing? Yeah, yeah, this, uh, this and this, um, mysterious concept, this mystical, uh, this, this mystical art from the Orient, uh, called governance, and, uh, it's, it's stunning, it's stunning people worldwide, the, uh, the, the ability of the Chinese state to simply just govern. <laughs> yeah. Though it's also worth pointing out that, like, they're not the only player in the region that has committed to, to basically halting funding of these capacities. Um, Japan and Korea, uh, and South Korea, I should say, um, have both committed to not doing that anymore. And quite frankly they're that's both of those huge. governments are less yeah that's huge like both of those governments are much less shall we say functional um and yet you know they they managed to do like the incredibly basic thing of being like no we're not we're not doing this coal stuff anymore yeah, no, it's 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 a very uh, it's it's very interesting that like you know, even a very captured government like uh, Japan's or South Korea's, you know, South Korea, which is basically you know Samsung and friends, uh, mm -hmm. it's they're even they are just like oh hey let's kind of just look at this long term, let's pivot to new markets, you know. Um, just what's so dumb about it with the U.S. is Biden could get halfway to implementing the Green New Deal just with existing executive powers. He could unilaterally say the U.S. government is not approving any new leases or any new exploration for any fossil fuels, period, end of discussion. You can suck our dicks, which would be a pretty serious like shift in how everything unfolds he could do shit like say okay i am reallocating where federal contractor dollars are going to go towards anyone who's doing like carbon neutral shit he could penalize companies and contractors that don't do that he, by not giving them business he could use the fucking war production act to do things like go neat i am seizing these fossil fuel plants because we're in a climate emergency and i am bringing them under government control with the point of phasing them out over the course of the next five years like he could do that with power the executive already has 
and yeah, it's it's not <laughs> yeah it's not out of like fuck like Bush did shit of that gnarliness in fucking two thousand fucking two you know like uh it's it's bad that like, yeah he he's just simply deciding to be like destructive and attack the world <laughs> yeah it's so damn stupid yeah and speaking of stupid yeah exactly <laughs> We got the continuing supply chain crisis, which now the Atlantic is reporting on. Yay! <laughs> the Atlantic has finally found out uh, about the huge crisis in basically most goods that cross oceans. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> ah, they're catching up. Bless their hearts. Yeah. I mean, we've been here since it was kicking off. We, we've been saying since COVID that this was gonna just take a giant fat shit on just in time. Yeah, we. This is like some March 2020 shit that we've been saying. Like, yeah. I gotta say, like, these guys are literally 18 months behind. Like, <laughs> yeah. Fucking Johnny come lately's. Yeah, come on. Do you think that the do you think that the editors of the Atlantic don't listen to our podcast? Probably. Not. I mean, probably not. Let's be real. That's the only that's the only explanation. Um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you know, for the latest symptom of this, Costco, as in yes, Costco is implementing purchasing restrictions on critical goods like toilet paper and paper towels. Yes. Oh, and water. And this is not because of pandemic panic buying like the last time I had to do this. It's literally because they can't get enough. Yeah. yeah and supply chains are fucked. It, and it's because of the regular level of panic buying caused by a, a supply squeeze. Like, people are, like, noticing that, like, oh, hey, maybe next week there won't be any bottled water on the shelf. I better grab some extra. And that's fucking with the problem even more. Like, it's genuinely, like, because that's what happens, you know? It's like, in a famine, people fill up their cellars, you know? Like, that's what yeah. you do. Like, And, this... of course, there's the gougers who are buying up a whole bunch specifically <laughs> to take advantage of it, because you know there's that kind of pandemic scalping going on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean... You know, everyone remembers the guy with the with the garage full of uh, hand sanitizer, you know, from last year who got, like, two years prison or something. We're just seeing the same thing except with just general goods now, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, right now, there, as of the Wednesday we're recording, there were 62 ships parked at L.A., and... The Sunday of that week, so last week, there were 73 waiting to enter the ports. Like, I think they're up to 90 now. Oh, god damn. Like, and normally the port of LA's wait time is zero. 
like yeah. zero ships at anchor waiting to come in the harbor. Yeah, that's because it's the port of L.A. and there's also Long Beach. I mean, like it's it's very. It's a it's, huge fuck off port. <laughs> it's it's one of the biggest in the world. Just generally, oh god, <laughs> it's it's one of the primary ports of the world, and it yeah. is backed up. It's like, really. It's really fucking nuts. Yeah. Like, they're... Um, I'm looking for this Guardian article on it, and one of the things they mention is that uh, the port of Long Beach, which is, you know, one of the ports that services this entire fucking complex we call the L.A. port, they are shifting to a 24-7... Um, pilot program for cargo access. Normally, you know, there's like two shifts and then, you know, the port just lays there. Like, that's, you know, how it's always kind of worked. Now they're considering, like, adding a shift. Like, holy this I wonder is... how the Longshoremen's Union feels about this. Oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> I, I'm like 99% certain this is going to be very fun for the people in charge if they really push the issue. Yes. And remember from last episode that as we talked about, you know, that's not the only bottleneck. Like, Chicago is also a big bottleneck. Um, you know, Union Pacific stopped taking cargo for a while just because so much of it was building up at the Chicago terminal. And, you know, things like that. This, this is why Costco is being like, no, we, we have to impose these limits or there's not going to be anything to sell. And like, <laughs> You know, their whole business model is, like, just dump a fucking pallet on the sales floor. Just dump it yeah. right there. Yes, next to the pianos. We don't give a shit. Yes, it's a pallet of wine. Whatever. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely, like, the situation regarding cargo is absolutely fucked. There's, like, places where you can see, like, if you're, like, looking at, like, uh, truck, like, semi-truck dispatcher forums they're going nuts because they can never find enough truckers to fill the contracts you know um it's pretty great uh we've even got care of fed chairman jerome powell saying as of september 24th quote Never really seen these kind of supply chain issues. Yeah. You know, this might genuinely be unprecedented. Like, not even the oil shocks, which were a singular supply chain problem. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I genuinely can't think of a time it's ever been this bad, partly because... You know, the ancestors were not so stupid as to think that just-in-time worked. 
Like, you can't predict a fucking clipper ship moving across the ocean when you don't even have radio. So this didn't used to be a thing. Like, yeah. you you yeah. either got the cargo there or you didn't. That's just how it worked. And yep. now Which it's brings like... Us to <laughs> sound... We're just fucked. I'm just gonna say Shit's it. We're fucked. fucked. <laughs> yeah, it's the, this is the kind this of shit where you look at you you look at the indicators and like it's just this every every couple months it's another one of these hits. It's another one of these hits. It's not slowing down. It's yeah. not slowing down. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. We're seeing stuff like you know, like we just said, the fucking. The fucking Fed is like, uh, this is unprecedented. This is a novel economic situation. That's bad. <laughs> That's bad. They've never seen anything before. That's bad. It's not a good. It's not a good supply situation. No. We're in a bad situation. And Fuck. and we've got these financial and political just totally unnecessary self owns. Because let's be real, this bullshit with. The debt ceiling and the government shutdown could be resolved if Joe Biden would just take Joe Manchin out for a car ride. Just do it, Joe. Yes. Yeah. For all our sakes. <laughs> yeah. Take him take him for a fucking ride. Or we'll all die. Yeah. And yeah. it's like the alternative is you know, watching the Treasury Department Z series melt down because, oh no, everything has crashed because, you know, this 1970s era code assumed that you could not default. Like, from yeah. what I've, uh, from what I've read, they have not fixed that. We've known about this for years. And it's like, there's not a lot you can do with an ancient source code base that, you know, hardly anybody living understands. And this is what runs the entire federal government, essentially. This is what funds everything. And if it goes down, you know, not just for like a maintenance window, if it just really, truly just shits itself, everything stops working. Yeah, it's... this is what we're at. The private markets are going to yeah. seize up. The federal government is going to be shitting the bed unless, you know, something happens in the next several days. Something that probably be really stupid and foreclose on, like, any future possibilities of anything useful happening. Because that's probably how that will end if they don't go careening off the cliff. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, but that's not going to change that at this point, just Evergrande and the supply chain situation by itself is going to be the thing that starts tipping it over. Like, crypto is dying, and anybody who's got money in finance and is paying any amount of attention is probably already running for the door and expecting everybody else to hold the bag. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a game of chicken. They're all like, they're all standing in the doorway and they're like uh, uh, uh. 
but <laughs> so it, it's only dropped down like six percent but we're gonna see we're gonna see some weird shit happening with bitcoin yeah. with these games of investor chicken and we're gonna see weird stuff with the supply chain we're gonna start well like the fed guy said he's we're stuff we've never seen before so yeah it's gonna be fun yeah uh we're <laughs> fucked uh who's ready for a recession <laughs> like this by the way is why we don't fully agree with uh the it could happen here crumbles thesis mostly because we think that the rate of collapse is significantly greater than that oh yeah like the whole, you know, scenario I talked about with, like, the Treasury Department mainframe shitting itself over default, that's not going to be a trivial fix. Like, even if, you know, Joe Biden takes Joe Manchin out for a car ride and takes McConnell out for the same car ride and, you know, basically all but forces them to, like, play ball and get this fucking government turned back on like right now because we're already defaulting we're already bleeding money that doesn't mean that they're going to be able to just fix the problem and I mean in finance you know these days we're talking milliseconds and (sighs) getting this kind of thing you know resolved getting the computer to finally be happy with the new debt ceiling after you know a default event has crashed it like that oh god that's gonna take days we don't yeah the economy the global economy will not have days yeah as we've seen in lebanon the economy is either running or it isn't so (laughs) it's either running or it isn't the crumbles effect we'd argue is already happening it's just happening very quickly so yeah aside from that we are in total agreement with the folks that it could happen here as to what the fuck you should be doing so mutual aid community defense come on y'all know the trail yeah Mm -hmm. (sighs) so i guess that's it yeah this was chop shop economics reading this shit so you don't have to bye everyone good luck